Women Up Radio, designed to facilitate women's empowerment, improve your career, develop your talents, incorporate your passions, achieve fulfillment and success. Hello, this is Women Up Radio, supporting Empower Women. And today we're talking about STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths, and particularly about raising awareness and inspiring the next generation. I'm joined in the studio by my guest, Stephanie Green, artist, activist, entrepreneur and businesswoman. Stephanie was the country's youngest councillor at the age of 21, circulation director of an international publishing house by 25, and went on to open a graphic design studio seven years ago. This leads us on to her great passion for STEM and the creation of Dauntless Daughters, to empower girls and young women and inspire them about STEM. So welcome to the programme, Steph. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling us more about how you managed to do everything at such a young age, which is amazing, and your interest in STEM, and particularly about your creation, Dauntless Daughters? Yes, I was reflecting on... um on this just recently and um, I suppose you have to blame your parents don't you yes <laughs> <laughs> growing up the the advice for us um and I have two older brothers was always that if we wanted something we could work hard at it and achieve it yeah and the other theme I suppose uh, of my childhood was that we all should put something back into the pot yeah um and I loved the jobs I was doing. Um, I was interested in politics. And so those things naturally happened and promotions came along and I and I grabbed them. And a few years ago, my husband got offered a job further north, away from the studio I was working with at the time. And so I saw it as an opportunity um, to, to start up on my own. Yes. And and so and so I did. Um, and sometimes it's a bit daunting. But most of the time, it's amazing. And the thing that it gave me was time to think about how I could help, uh, not just my family, not paying the mortgage, but society. Yeah. Um, and I had to consider what was really important to me. And that theme of, of empowerment and equality was still there, still kind of my lifeblood uh, since, a, since I was a young girl thinking of fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so Dauntless Daughters came about. And as an artist, and I suppose as a sociology graduate, I saw the limiting effect of gendered marketing and literature and all of the negatives that that was having on our children. And I thought, well, what can I do? Well, I draw pictures. So I will draw them some new pictures. Yes. And when it started, I had no idea what to do next with it, where it was going to go. Yeah. But I just kept going. And here we are a year in and I've got 56 characters and two books. campaign in the wings and the the support we're receiving for it is overwhelming I'm already joined by by two other women who are now working on Dauntless Daughters and we've just had our first magazine review of the first book um in Juno magazine which is just it's just great really oh wow that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) I think that's incredible but I mean also you've done other things because the, the thing about you becoming a counsellor mm-hmm. so young, also the, the circulation director of an international publishing house so young. Yeah. How did you manage to do it all so early? 
I don't know. I wonder whether it's being being the youngest of three. Yeah, always keen to get on. Yes, um, and I think as well. I I don't deal with being idle very yes. well at all. So I, we don't have a TV, so I work all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. And I and and I love my work. It's not. I mean, yeah. I'm a. I'm. I think I'm a fairly balanced person. But when I really when I'm passionate about something. It's not a chore for me yes. to, to work, to chip away at it. Yeah. And I felt the same, you know, when I was in the publishing world, I, I came in to, to, that, to the company I started with where I ended up being circulation director. I came in and things were in disarray and you can see it very easily. And then you see the fix for it. And when you start doing it, then you start getting noticed, don't you? Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's... <laughs> yeah. Now, it's, I think it's a great advantage sometimes, as you say, to be the youngest. Yeah. I mean, I'm the youngest. I've got two brothers who are a lot older than me. Ah. And so I've always, because I consider myself to be totally equal to them, uh-huh. I've never thought about the age gap. Yeah. So I've always thought, well, you know, they're already doing this. Yeah. Why aren't I? So uh, yeah. I think it's given me an extra an extra kick up the backside I absolutely agree that totally resonates with me because it doesn't it doesn't matter that you know they've got five years on you or whatever it's just what what everyone's doing then at the time absolutely yeah so okay so this program is all about women's empowerment Mm -hmm. and STEM seems to be one of the sectors that people are talking about a lot particularly recently so what do you think, how have the opportunities developed in STEM, particularly for women, over the last 10 to 15 years? It's, it's so interesting, isn't it, at the moment, what's happening. There's, there's so much um, discourse around, yeah. around STEM. Um, and I suppose, if you look at it, it probably started with New Labour in 1996 when they started talking about social justice yes really started to to shine a light then on on inequalities and there were a lot of government initiatives and incentives that came forward yeah and we've I mean we've come a long way haven't we not just in the last 10 years but right from the kind of 1920s when Oxford University didn't let women get the degrees that they had earned and it was only in the 60s then that that things like that actually started to be abolished and then the 70s feminist revolution came along and then that was picked up and kind of echoed in the 90s and now I think we have a generation of women who expect more so we're shining the spotlight even further into areas where where we are on an unequal footing Mm-hmm. So at the moment, I, I mean, in terms of, of opportunities that have developed, it's so the, the government is funding £13 million um, annually to, to fund WISE, which is Women in Science and Technology, Engineering and Maths. And that organisation then acts as a signpost as well as, as well as running their own events. So that's a really, um, they're a really great yeah. organization um that's come into play and they the government funding has also stepped up to to create maths hubs and bursaries and scholarships for graduates mm-hmm. um, they're training maths and physics teachers like crazy um, <laughs> it is but, but only really because we have we have this lack and that's only what the government's doing every in private enterprise every large tech company an engineering company run education and outreach programs to try and support children into STEM. And I think it's just because we 
we realised that we've got such a huge problem yes. in, in this country, in the UK STEM workforce. We've got about 800,000 women working in STEM, and that's only about 14% of, of the STEM workforce. Um, and it's gone, but, that, um, but that's not even the worst statistic, yeah. really. There's Gardner's research last year surveyed right across uh, Europe, in fact, worldwide, but but they found that women occupied 11.2% of technology leadership roles in Europe. Really? I mean, so it's so, women are so underrepresented. There are lots of reasons potentially why, but one of them is this leaky pipeline, oh, um, yes. <laughs> which Barry Vetter kind of described. And um, that's a, uh, they're a statistician and they surveyed ninth graders and then people studying for their degree and then the people that went on to to get PhDs and at ninth grade you know GCSE level everything's about equal and then when people go on to to university it becomes uh, more like 150 men taking science but 45 women and then of that 44 men will get a degree in their chosen science subject compared to 20 women and then PhD yeah go right down to five men and one woman and then if you think about the employment market you can't possibly have representation because you don't have the same number of qualified people to to pick from yes so so I've, i've gone off topic a little bit there are there are opportunities and the government is adding money and holding space um and the companies are recruiting yeah but the girls simply aren't going from education to to degree level and then into stem is that because they they're not interested or why? I mean, what, why are they not? That is a huge a huge question, isn't it? For for me, so there are some people that would think that there's kind of a, a myth, if you like, within our society that boys are better at spatial thinking yeah. than girls, and and spatial thinking is critical when it comes to engineering. But actually, there's no uh, biological or physiological reason for us to think that. Yeah. Uh, people are not hardwired one way or the other dependent on gender the whole thing is fluid and we're wired and rewired depending on on our societal norms and there was a really interesting sociological expert well not experiment but research that happened it was a chap I think called Hoffman in 2011 went to two tribes in India yeah. one was patriarchal and the, the men held property and passed it down to their sons and it was illegal for the women to to own land yeah there was matriarchal and it passed down the female line and, and it was actually illegal for men to hold anything and they did some spatial puzzles and recorded how long it took for people to to react to that and how versatile their their skills were and in the patriarchal society women performed poorer yeah this puzzle but in the matriarchal both both genders did the did the same the results were the same you know they were on level pegging oh really and, i know and and it's that this this really interesting we 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 construct our own society yes. constantly. so for me the women the reason women are not going into these subjects is is so multifaceted but and part of it is about educational opportunity yeah. and, and the the way that our system teaches but yeah. another part of it is about our societal norms yes really you know where I come from with Dauntless Daughters and also as a human looking at you know the t-shirts that we put our girls in and, and the 
the toys that we have them play with, the stories that we read, all of that creates a set of behaviours and, and expectations inside that child's mind as to what society wants him or her to do. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, they are they are limiting. Yes. STEM having four sectors, yeah. um, and with what you were saying about the, the matriarchal and being on level pegging and things like that, do you think there's one sector that's stronger or better? Or are, I mean, for women I'm speaking about, yeah. are they all equally possible? Well, they're all equally possible. All things are possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, point taken. <laughs> yeah. Um, science is, is, is definitely, if you had a league table um, of equality across them, science would be top of that. In, in some places, it's 50-50 now. But I think that's because science takes in healthcare and the healthcare profession is dominated by women. It's 65% yes. filled yeah. with women. Whereas if you look at IT, 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 it's right down, you know, some uh, job roles are, are at 9% um, in the IT sector. But that has led, because technology is so bad at representation, yeah. some tech firms are really trying to take positive steps. So you've got companies like Google and Apple and Facebook, and they're all working really hard. And really interestingly, Twitter and Pinterest published in 2015 set of diversity-focused hiring goals. Yeah. So they um, were striving to get 30% of the engineers that they hired to be women. And they, they made progress. They didn't quite make 30, but last year they made 22%. Yeah. Year they made 25%. And that, I think, is because they put that goal out there and they worked really hard yes. to get to it. And I think while science is kind of, a solid base I think technology will be coming up because of the growth in that sector and yep. also because they're trying really hard yeah and how does that compare with engineering and maths well engineering it, it's really odd you get a, a fair amount of, of engineering graduates that are women and very few into into the sector and maths is a bit of a funny one because statistically it's hard to I mean apart from university lecturers and teachers it's hard to separate that out when you're when you're researching professions if you know what I mean yes because it's used obviously in engineering and, and yeah. So. yeah well I have to say I would be very interested in science technology and engineering for me but maths ugh. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not <laughs> but the others yes I would <laughs> so okay with any of these to, to have a career in any of these sectors mm. what do you think is necessary absolutely essentially regarding education sadly for you it's maths okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, right. I'll stay creative <laughs> um maths and science really like biology physics chemistry um if you wanted to go for for example an engineering degree yeah. um, but it it's going it varies depending on which what job you were wanting yeah. to go for so of course if you want to be like an aeronautical engineering there's, there's no flexibility there with qualifications you you need a master's in aeronautical engineering but if you wanted to go into something like material handling or um, robotics yeah you could always start as an apprentice if you, you know, had some basic maths there. Yes. Um, 
and then develop in the in the company and see which particular bit of tech is going to be right for you because i think underneath it all and outside of educational requirements the the most important thing is going to be confidence yeah you need to be confident and able to say okay i want to work in missing where are the opportunities for me mm. um, regardless of qualification yeah and do you think men and women work differently once they're in these sectors why i'm asking that is because when you think about women in a boardroom Mm. Everybody always says, and the statistics prove it, that the boards that have got women as part of it Mm -hmm. have better results. And a lot of that is because of the women's different way of negotiating, their different way of looking at risk. So they focus on a different part of the problem to men. So is is there something similar in STEM, the different ways of doing it between men and women or not? Well, I don't think that that is, I think we have, as you say, we are diverse in our, in our communication, in our risk-taking behaviour, but I think that is as diverse as, as humans are, yeah. not necessarily a male and female trait. I know plenty of women that are, are high-risk takers and poor communicators. Um, <laughs> You're speaking to me, yes. <laughs> I like risk. <laughs> I think one of the things that I'm finding as, as a woman in business is that I try and stay as open as I possibly can to collaboration. And I'm not sure that that, that trait is encouraged in the same way in our social norms, in those rules that we have yeah. with men. And so I think, yeah, the, there, is a, there is a difference. You know, biologically speaking, we are capable of being really fairly similar. Yeah. And, and it's just each human that's different. But I think because of those those learned behaviours, those, you know, the set of rules that we're working within, we do we do sometimes operate differently. Yes. And do you think that the experience of STEM or background in STEM, is that a good way of getting into other sectors and industries? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think if you if you look at the the rate of growth in, in STEM and, and technology and how fluid that, that marketplace is. And when we look to the future, really the future is in STEM. It's yeah. in science and technology and engineering. And so yeah, if we if we start off with someone in a STEM position, then you can apply those technologies and that science to all sorts of different scenarios to our yeah. you know human conditions and the way we live. Yeah. Are there any that you think are particularly good examples of that? Um, I would say any of the people that, that go into particularly text into, into coding, where they're writing applications to solve kind of real life problems that they yeah. come across. And that might be, you know, as a working mum, but they, you know, they, they used to be a coder and then they became a mother and they've kind of come out of that world. And then they've used their previous learning to solve a problem that they've, that they've come across now. And, but I think it's really important to say that regardless of, of where you end up career-wise, if you end up getting a STEM degree, then yeah. you're going to earn more than a non-STEM degree. Oh, really? Yeah, so economically, it's really significant. So if you come out of university with an engineering degree and you go into sales, your salary, you should expect your salary to be higher than if you went and studied, uh, I don't know, textiles. For oh, really? Yeah. So that's really important for, for people's 
individual, you know, yes. personal growth as well as for the kind of, you know, the economy at the whole. You are listening to Anna Letitia Cook at Women Up Radio. That leads me on to another question I've got for you, which I find very interesting, but probably because I've been in business in different countries. So I always relate things to lots of countries. Do you think that some countries and economies have better awareness and give more opportunities for girls' education? and women's development in STEM? Yeah, well, they do, but, but equally, that's a, a, there's a phrase, isn't there? Statistics, statistics, and damn lies. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's really hard to unfold all of the information. In 2014, UNESCO put this tool online where you could look at, at each country and their statistics with STEM. Yeah. And you can see places like France are at 50-50, uh, for for people graduate 50% and men 50% women um, graduating with engineering degrees and yeah. yet the women in engineering in France is, is pretty much as poor as it is anywhere else yes and you look at Argentinos there's 52% of, of researchers who are women and you think great but actually that's only at government labs and it doesn't consider all the private enterprise in in the country so if you look globally at women um, in, in economic leadership roles, uh, the World Economic Forum in 2006, yeah. which they were the, the people that said, you know, it's, it's broadly female representation on boards is 14%, but there are five countries that have broken that. So if we take that as our kind of marker, that would be Iceland, Norway, France, Latvia, and Finland that are really standing out of the pack as, as doing this right really indeed interesting <laughs> why what do they do differently well i think <laughs> in your opinion, <laughs> in my opinion uh, where educational systems are fundamentally different uh, i mean where each country is is, diff- is different within itself obviously oh. um, but broadly speaking they are educating their children. Boys and girls are both outside physically active a lot more as part of their schooling. And the approach is to the whole person and not focused on SATs and testing so much. Yeah. Uh, so that's p- kind of part one is the educational system. But if you look at them for, with my sociologist's hat on, if you look at like maternity and paternity leave as a marker, for example, in three of those countries, maternity and paternity leave is completely equal. And in the others, the uh, a minimum of amount of paternity leave is actively encouraged. And I think that speaks to a value in their society placed on and around women and their role and their gender. And, and that is about respect and empowerment. And that travels then, doesn't it, through recruitment and social norms and, and marketing and school and it shapes what those young children are expecting. Yes. You know, if you look at a, a, a young girl in America, for example, who, who are not doing overly well, you know, they're at like 18%, I think. Yeah. But if I'm a young woman in America and I go to the store and I can choose a, a tight cropped T-shirt and one's got cutie on it and another's got a rabbit on it. And I walk down the street and I'm wolf whistled at. Then when I go into school... I'm sitting in a physics lab. The only other people in there are, are boys. And if I put my hand up and get it wrong, everybody chuckles. Yeah. And the only physicist I know is so-and-so's dad. Yeah. 
whereas if I go into textiles or or art, it's all of my friends in there. Yeah. And and art is cute. And you know, no one is threatened by me going into art. And I think you have this, why would you, as a teenager, go into a field dominated by men? You know it's dominated by men yeah. when 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 you are disrespected daily by those men. Yes. Whereas if you're living in a country that values women, yeah. you are much more likely, even if you see it as a male-dominated industry, to go into it. Yeah. Because of the fact that you know you'll be respected as a human. Yeah. So I think, you know, you have this our educational approach compounds our societal norms. And so success at STEM subjects absolutely relies on us upping our expectations, our empowerment and our respect. Yeah. From a social point of view, how can STEM help grow the market and the economy of the country? Because it also it seems that all the countries that are better to do with STEM, mm. they have a stronger economy. They seem to have better opportunities. Mm. We touched on it briefly about, about STEM degrees earning you more than non-STEM degrees. Mm. So there's that aspect to it, but there's also Small Peace Trust, who, who uh, Dr. Kevin Stenson is the CEO there, and he said they, they did some research. They support uh, getting humans into STEM, regardless of, of you know, gender. Yes. Um, and they did some research, and they said that 64% of, of engineering employees say that the lack of engineers is a direct threat to their business. Oh, really? Yeah, so really simply put, we don't have skilled people in this country able to take up the jobs that we've got. And and so and, and the other thing that it means is because we don't have innovators coming out in reams, we are not creating new tech companies. Yeah. And every everyone kind of in the government, I suppose, is quite concerned about this digital skills gap that, that is coming. If you think about the automation of jobs, yeah. by 2020, they're expecting a terrific amount of our jobs to be automated. Yes. So if we don't have people grabbing onto STEM, we simply won't be able to employ them. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's it, really. You know, economically, it's not just it's not just an advantage. It's kind of essential yes. to survival. Yeah. So with that, do you think this can help gender balance and women's opportunities? I mean, both in the workplace and as entrepreneurs? Yeah, de- I mean, definitely. There's there's several threads of that. I think, firstly, if we get if we have a lot of women in tech and leading tech and STEM, mm-hmm. then the products and services that we will create will be more balanced. Yes. Um, you know, if you if you look at a company run by men, if they are I don't know, making bras, they might make really uncomfortable bras because they don't have boobs. Yes. If that company then... I would agree with that. (laughs) ...is an engineering company run by women, they're not going to put a piece of wire, right? You know, they're going to use smart fabrics to support your body. And that's exactly what you've got now. So in terms of women's uptake in, in tech, you see a lot of this female areas if you like being reclaimed in textiles and in and in women's cycles so there's a lot of growth there and I think there's a lot of research that says it's the lack of role models in STEM that is holding young women back and so I think if we can be visible if I can be a visible advocate of STEM and a visible businesswoman 
yeah. then all the young girls can kind of see that that's something absolutely to, to go into. But I, it's like it's like everything. There's it's so it's so multi layered. There's a great quote um, that Amata Sen said, and that's gender inequality is not one homogenous phenomenon, but a collection of disparate interlocking problems, and that really sticks with me and resonates with me because you know when we look at STEM it's one piece of this puzzle yes and we need to be shaping all of it to yeah. get change so with that because obviously if you get the role models in business so that you start to get a better vision in the business world yeah. it, it needs to come down younger it yeah. needs to happen from childhood, from even from parents changing yeah. their attitude. Uh-huh. So what do you think that we can do to raise awareness in children and teenagers about STEM and women's empowerment? And also, how can we get parents to change their attitude towards it? Mm-hmm. So this is this is the bit of, of this whole debate that I'm really passionate about because I think there's some really interesting research that came out at the beginning of the year and it said that when kids are five both groups identify with being really really smart yeah by six girls take themselves out of that category they would no longer play a game if you had to be really really smart to play it and that is all about our formation of societal norms we are women are counting themselves out of stem yeah so you know so then so yeah as you say what we what can we do for children we can change the stories we are telling them change the t-shirts they're wearing change the games we're playing yes as, as schools we need to be looking at the posters on the wall if all of the pictures of footballers are boys yeah. then girls will think that they can't play football because kids are smart and they see the little motions, the eye rolling, the, you know, the lack of empowered women in images. Yes. And that forms how they think they're meant to be. And as parents, when we get fairy tale books and we read them and they're beautiful in some ways, aren't they? And they are yeah. historic and magical. We reinforce our own societal norms yeah so every night when we read our kids a story we are telling ourselves that same story so if we simply change you know it it is if we take women as predominantly the caregivers so if 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 i speak now directly to mothers yes and say tell tell your children a different story because we are in charge we have always been in charge and all we need to do is start telling them different things setting them up for a different world and that way we can change you know it's like society is this big ball of clay that we're all working and actually if we all put our hands in the same direction on the wheel we'll get a beautiful vase but at the moment everyone's just sort of poking it (laughs) yeah exactly okay so Steph have you got any last tips or strategies that you can give our listeners so that they can improve their options in STEM. So there's so much funding and conversation out out there that Mm -hmm. I would say get out there and be part of it. Don't be afraid, ask questions and 
you know, people are kind and they want to help. So let me do three ideas for you. It's always good to take extracurricular opportunities where you can find them. So you could find a local maths hub or a STEM club or STEM ambassadors. Get involved with, with the projects that they're running. Help other people uh, would be suggestion number two, because as my mother said, uh, as you're going up the ladder, you never know who you might meet if you're on your way back down it. Um, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Um, and also, I think if we can, you know, if one girl is brave enough to go to a STEM club, if she Im- invites her best friend, yes. then that's two women, yeah. um, you know, and, and actually, if we do that as, as women in business, then that's, uh, that's wonderful as well. Yeah. And then lastly, don't think that you can't be feminine and be into science, because that's part of our awesome gift as women, that we are all of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah embrace it and be dauntless fabulous Fabulous. (laughs) thank you thank you so much Steph it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show a real pleasure thank you for having me we'd like to thank our guest Stephanie Green entrepreneur businesswoman and creator of Dauntless Daughters for sharing her expertise on women in STEM and inspiring the next generation And just actually one last question, Steph, Mm -hmm. where can people get information about Dauntless Daughters? We've got a website, www.dauntlessdaughters.co.uk. Okay, perfect. I'll add that onto the the page with the recording. Super. Okay. I'm Anna Letitia Cook. You've been listening to us at Women Up Radio. Thanks also to Meryl Guzel and Laura Martinez of UN Women's Empower Women for the wonderful work that they do to advance the case for women's equality today. And a really big thank you to all of you, the listeners. I hope you've enjoyed hearing Steph today. Please send in any questions or feedback to us because we're always delighted to hear it. You can find our social media and our contact details through our website, which is womenupradio.com. Women Up Radio, designed to facilitate women's empowerment, improve your career, develop your talents, incorporate your passions, achieve fulfillment and success.